0: My name is Jade Roberts and I will be hosting this episode of the Rising Youth Podcast. The Rising Youth Podcast is produced in partnership with CYC Podcasts and Taking It Global. The intention behind this series is to give a platform to young changemakers from communities across Canada. Hashtag Rising Youth is a national community service grant program led by Taking It Global and offered to youth ages 15 to 30 wanting to get involved in their communities. I'm really excited today to have the opportunity uh, to speak with Alexandra and Janae. Uh, They worked on a STEM project for Indigenous youth in Saskatchewan. And before we get into the conversation about their project, um, I want to welcome both Alexandra and Janae. And if you two could introduce yourselves and maybe tell us who you are and where you're from.
1: Um, Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Janais Fox. I'm from Battleford, Saskatchewan, and I'm currently living now in Montreal, doing a Ph.D. in biology at McGill. Um, And I'm Alexandra Nordstrom. I'm also from Battleford, Saskatchewan, and I'm also a member of Hellmaker Cree Nation, and I'm currently also living in Montreal. I'm doing a Master of Arts in Art History at Concordia University.
0: Okay, super cool. Did you guys know each other like before going to university? I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, we grew up together. Oh, we okay, went to <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was actually that was like one of my questions. I was like, how do these two people know each other? But that's that's really cool. Okay, so you grew up together in Battleford area, and you're both from Poundmaker.
1: Um, no, I'm not from Poundmaker, but Alexandra
0: is. Oh, sorry, Battleford and okay. Poundmaker. Okay. Alright, um, so if you guys want to give maybe like a quick overview or a description of your project and kind of what sparked your idea for the project. um, Yeah, sure. So I
1: can kind of talk about what sparked the idea, I guess. It was kind of a long, long drawn out idea that we always had. We were kind of talking to each other a lot while we were going to university while Alex was studying arts and I was studying science and we kept talking about how actually similar the world views are in the different areas
0: and how we would wish
1: that they would be taught more similar as instead of being taught as opposing. And then we kind of got the opportunity to do a camp earlier than we thought we would. We were thinking yeah. this would be like something really far down the line. We pitched the idea to my dad who does like work with First Nations youth and he kind of he was, like, so on board, and, like, put us in contact with people, so we're like, okay, so we have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get, get it done, <laughs> make it happen. Um, yeah, do you want to kind of describe what it is? Yeah, Um. so basically, we, like, our inquiry question for the project, we wanted it to be something accessible for First Nations youth, but we also wanted to explore arts and science um, in a way that, uh, deconstructed Western ways of teaching, so we wanted it to be grounded in indigenous ways of knowing for First Nations youth, um, and we also wanted it to be experiential and a collaborative process. So, our inquiry question um, for project was, how can we explore the ancient Cree concept of using land as a pedagogy for um, art practice to discuss environmental issues?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Okay, um, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a teacher. So, um, like, when I was reading the description of your project, I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't know if you guys have, like, any background in teaching, but um, right now, a lot of the conversation is around um, kind of steering away from that Western worldview. So, having a program like this that's providing an alternative, like, teaching and learning style is super cool and it's awesome work that you guys are doing thank you thank you very
1: much yeah we don't have well at least for me um i have a lot of experience with working with kids but i don't have i guess really like any traditional classroom speaking experience mm-hmm. um but i think that kind of helps in a way yeah you didn't go into it with any expectations of how you should mm-hmm. teach exactly and we also wanted to kind of deconstruct the ways that we were taught i guess in a way so yeah. like we went in very clear, like, explaining that everybody, we we're like, all the kids that we were working with, that, like, we're not there to be their teachers. We're there to facilitate knowledge, and we're actually learning with them. So then I think that also broke down, like, you know, the traditional hierarchies um, that are in place in Western education. And so instead of being... We were more, like, guides to the project instead yeah. of, like, they were learning from us. We are actually learning from each other. Yeah, and we really let, like, their interests guide what we what activities we did and how long we spent on each activity so I think that was like a really useful thing yeah
0: definitely yeah it was definitely seemed like more of like a mentorship rather than like you said like a hierarchy um so yeah I was going to ask you how you kind of facilitated that but I think you touched on that where you're kind of letting the the youth lead right yeah pretty much
1: like our kind of approach how we like opened the camp was um we shared like a bit about ourselves so they could get to know us and then we led from there so yeah we started every day with telling everybody like it's okay to make mistakes in this space and we don't laugh at each other we laugh with each other so yeah. we're all like learning together and then we also had an emphasis um on like we wanted to develop a sense of like personal agency and like sense Mm -hmm. of um, power for everyone so they could feel empowered. So basically like there was no really requirements or like we didn't make anybody do anything. So like you were allowed to use the bathroom whenever you wanted to, we made it clear that like they never had to ask, they never had to ask to help. Themselves to food, like we always had food available. If they wanted to take a break or they didn't want to participate, like that was totally fine. They could, yeah. you know, kind of do what fueled them. Mm-hmm. Especially because some people are more interested in different activities than the others. So they could spend more time on something if they would like to, while others could move on to a different activity.
0: That's awesome. I want to kind of take a step back. Uh, Can you guys explain or just say the title of what your project is? And I know it's a Cree word. Um, Could you maybe explain what it means in English and why you guys chose that name? So we kind of, this project we called uh, Esogan Arts and Science.
1: So Esogan means bridge in Cree. And so the idea is that we want to create projects that bridge together these two disciplines. Yeah the bridge together arts and science but also bridge together like western viewpoints and indigenous
0: viewpoints yeah so like communicating through art I know that was like the big the big thing um for the project or for the program um and it's interesting to see because we don't often see a lot of like art and science being put together I guess so what types of art programming took place so we had a number of different workshops we've had Uh, like,
1: a drawing workshop, a watercolor workshop, and then we also had um, an artist, Dana Standinghorn, from Wheatgrass First Nation come and do an acrylics workshop. Mm -hmm. And then, I guess, these are, well, yes, still arts activities, but cultural. We participated in the Poundmaker Performance Festival that was going on at the same time, so... We had a field trip to Fort Bottleford, and there was um, different dance performances and singing that happened. Mm-hmm. So we took part in that as well. We also had some people from Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society come, and they did some, um, music. Yeah, they had music and different kinds of um, presentations for us. Yeah, that like focused on conservation, but from like, an artistic Yeah, from a creative course. standpoint,
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool. How long were you, how long were you in Poundmaker doing the actual project? Uh, so we did it over four days. Okay. So yeah. the, like the youth took part in it for four days. Um, yeah. And then, so planning it though, were you guys in the community at all doing any of the planning or how did that kind of work?
1: Um. So we did, we started planning last year at Christmas. We kind of just like picked one night and sat down and, Um, made a list of tons of grants to apply for and like what ideas we had that we wanted to do and people we could reach out to Mm -hmm. and then after that mostly I built relationships with community members like have relationships with certain community members and started building them with others um people would give me certain people's contact information that they thought would be helpful and useful so we actually like developed those relationships from Montreal yeah but I think it was also, like, a really big learning process. Yeah. And now we know ways that we could maybe start planning more effectively and actually, like, talk to the community more beforehand about needs. Yeah, because one, we did actually work with, um, oh, with the health and wellness coordinator from Chief Palmaker School. Um, and she told us kind of, like, really that there's a big lack in art programming and kind of, like, what she... We, we had many conversations with her where um, we would tell our ideas and she'd tell us, like, what we would what she thought and how it would work out. Um, so we did spend a lot of time consulting with her, too. Um, one of the challenges we faced, definitely in terms of not physically being there, was that we used, we really wanted this to be accessible, and so we used an online form, like, for registration. But in hindsight, we actually realized, that it has been, and we got feedback too. That it would have been much better if we sent out like physical forms at the like at school. Um, but we just that was kind of like a challenge, I guess, in like planning so late like, because we didn't get the forms to the school before school was up for summer. Yeah. So that is something we'll have to change for this year. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of like learning experiences for how we can make it better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that there could be challenges that come up when you're trying to plan something from, like, a different province. Um, In terms of, like, community connections, though, it sounds like you guys were able to make a lot of uh, community connections uh, being so far away. Um, I'm just wondering, how did the the community come together for this program. I know you worked with a school. I think there was also something with the museum. Um so yeah, just like in general, how did the community come together?
1: Um for this project, we kind of we placed it during so we had like a, a bunch of other community events going on at the same time. So there was a Plains Indian sign language camp the week previously um, that was taught taught by Don, Dr. Lenny Reelburn. And so we attended that week. And then the following week was the Poundmaker performance festival and our camp. So we got to bring, there was different activities for all ages. We got to bring the kids as part of like the performance festival. And then we also, um, like, the community had come together for the sign language workshop. So it was really great in terms that like, everybody kind of knew what was going on in the community. Yeah. And then, like, word got out. And so people, like, would bring their kids throughout the week. Yeah. We had, like, a lot of job in, which was really awesome. And it was also really nice, like, throughout the camp. While we were setting up, people would stop by and be like, oh, what are you doing? And we would talk to them and tell them. Yeah. And they'd be really interested and they would come back. Some people even joined for lunch. Like. Yeah. We had, like, family members and people from the community, like, stop by for lunch during the days. Yeah. And just, like, hang out with us and the kids. And that was really great, too, because we got to... They just gave us other ideas for different activities or people we could talk to and yeah. have come in for the future. Specific people to reach out to, to join yeah. the camp and stuff like that.
0: So. so, like, by the end of the program, were the youth able to, like, create something that could have been displayed or presented? We...
1: We had, like, a few different projects. I think our initial idea was that we wanted, um, we wanted like, throughout the week to have activities and, like, different aspects that would build to a final project. Yeah. But when we actually started doing the camp, we realized that that idea was a little bit more difficult because we, our age group was um, 10 and up, but then we did get some children who were younger than 10. So, yeah. Um, we kind of had to have a balance between certain activities because what would hold the older kids' focus longer wouldn't hold the younger kids. Yeah. So we kind of, um, we had multiple projects throughout the week, basically. We basically let them make pieces through different types of art practice. So they had, like, sketching, watercolor, and acrylic pieces. Um, But they definitely, like, all created. Yeah. Originally, too, we wanted to have... um, an exhibition at the museum of their work but that was kind of that was that was also something that needed to be planned like a lot before was, yeah. we didn't have enough hands actually to do that like our idea um for the future is that we really want to hire youth mentors mm-hmm. um so like we would have that extra help with that and then we could also um, employ older kids from the community to help out yeah create job opportunities in the community as well
0: yeah, that's awesome. I think, like, when you're working with youth, right, especially in the summer, there's, like, not a lot of structure, So, and sometimes you get, like, like you said, uh, kids that are a lot younger that you weren't expecting, and you kind of just have to go with the flow. So that's cool. Um, what was uh, – what did you notice, though? Like, was there an impact on the youth? What was happening? What was the response from them?
1: Yeah, we actually noticed um, at the beginning of the programming we had – it was a little awkward at first trying to get yeah. the kids to understand, like, kind of the space that they were in and how we were all learning together. And lots of kids were really shy to begin with. But then we noticed, like, throughout the camp, everybody started interacting with each other much more. And, like, with us, people started really opening up. And by the end of the camp, they were all, like, yes, totally right. out of their <laughs> definitely out of their shell. Definitely out of their shell. Yeah. We realized that, um, like, by the end, we're like, we need more activities where, like, they're very like physical you know so like, yeah. we can just have like blowing off steam activities we had we did have a lot um and some of them we didn't think we were gonna use like there's this one called screaming toast <laughs> where basically you just like go outside and like point at somebody if you meet make eye contact like you like both scream together and you're out of the group and we're like oh like they're not gonna like that that's a weird one but that, by the end of the week they like had so much energy they loved it yeah and you could definitely notice like an increase. Kind of in like self esteem throughout the time. Like, people, it, it seemed like they felt more like valued. Yeah. And I have like my, there was um, one younger girl. She, I think she was 10 or 11. And um, when she first came, she, on the first day, she wasn't really participating at all. And we were making, we are making collages about ourselves to kind of like learn about each other and see yeah. their interests. And, um, I, you know, like went up and talked to her and in conversation and I asked her what she was interested in and she basically told me that there was nothing good about her. And I, I told her that it was like very heartbreaking to hear, but I, you know, told her that that's definitely not true. But by the end of that day, she was completely out of her shell. And that was the yeah. case. Like we knew everything about her, like all her interests and everything. And mm-hmm. so that was really great. And then there was also another girl who was very shy. At first, her mom had to come with her But by the end of the week, like, she was taking the bus by herself, even. She was, like, waking up early. Yeah, her mom (laughs) came in just to tell us. She was like, I'm just so surprised. (laughs) So that was really great to see. And then, too, at first we thought it would be weird having a bunch of younger kids with older kids. But actually, we were really surprised at, like, the spontaneous formation of mentorships that developed um, between the younger and older kids, too. Yeah, that was really great.
0: Yeah, it's really nice to hear, like, stories um, from the experience. It sounds like it was a really fun time for the kids. Um, What did it mean to you guys just to be, like, back in your community and taking part in this?
1: Um, For me, I,
0: like, I never really grew up being around the reserve
1: much. Um, And so it's just, like, in the last few years that I've been around there and, like, doing projects at the museum and whatnot and um, really making connections with people. And so for me, that was, like, really great to be out there and, like, developing these relationships. Mm -hmm. I really thought that that was valuable for me. Um, Yeah, I think for me, it was really nice because, like, sometimes in grad school you get so focused on, like, academics and, like, being stuck kind of in, like, the ivory tower and not really seeing, like, the real-world application of what you're doing. So it was nice to kind of be able to, like, bring the knowledge that I've learned back to where I'm from and do something that, like, actually helps people.
0: Mm -hmm. I I find that, too, like, going back to your own community and kind of taking a break from academics. I feel like I was kind of in the the same boat as you guys, Um, you know, living far away from your community. It's always nice to go back and, and give back
1: yeah definitely definitely
0: and one thing too i think we noticed was that because i went to school previously
1: um in vancouver and then i came here and like i noticed there was like so maybe not like as much programming as there needed to be but there was a lot more programming for indigenous youth in vancouver and in montreal and so like i think they really wanted to like we saw a need for improvement in saskatchewan Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, for
0: sure yeah um so I'll ask you guys a little bit about uh, rising youth. So uh, the grant process and like, what was that like for you, and how how did the grant help you out with this program? Um. So the grant process, the application process was really
1: easy. I would say, like everybody that we emailed for help was super helpful. I felt like I definitely had all the resources I need to finish the application, and then also just having the opportunity to apply for a grant. That is, like, $1,500. It really, really helped us out budget-wise. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to find grants that are applicable to these grassroots programming, especially, like, in Saskatchewan. And so yeah, it was really nice that something that is, like, available to us and also something that comes with the community of, like, other people who are doing similar activities and
0: programming. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so what do you guys see like do you want to continue this program is it something that's going to happen again like from my perspective I like love the program model that you guys came up with and um, are using I think it's like uh, inclusive to an indigenous worldview and you know providing that alternative teaching and learning style for students in the summer Um, so like I can see it being something so much bigger like you can of course, go back to your own community and, and pursue it again. But I can see this, like, happening um, in other communities as well. So what do you guys think um, in continuing the program? What's what's the plan? Yeah, definitely. I mean, right now we're kind of trying to – we're definitely planning another programming
1: for next year. Well, this, this year. Or this year, yeah. yeah, <laughs> summer. yeah this summer. Um, but we're kind of waiting to see. See what point will be best for expansion? I guess. Yeah, we, like we for sure want to do um like the week long camp this summer, but we also have some other ideas for how we'd like to expand. Like yeah. right now, the camp was on Palmaker, but it was open to Little Pine and um, Palmaker students, basically, or mm-hmm. youth. Um, but we have talked about expanding it to um, m- like more communities around the Battleford area, and then. Way way in the future, we would like to actually have an ur- urban programming. Yeah, for like where First Nations and non-First Nations youth can come together, because we think that it's really important to have, um like, that this le- style of learning is really inclusive to everybody, and it would be like a really good way to have break down barriers. Yeah, exactly. youth. Yeah, and then do you want to talk about the days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have some exciting plans for this summer. Uh, Because I work in the Redpath Museum, which is um, on McGill campus, and it has a lot of paleontology people who do field work in Saskatchewan. So I've been talking to some professors about collaborating and actually bringing some youth to a dinosaur dig so that they can see real scientists in the field and actual dinosaur bones getting dug up. And hopefully we could offer that to like surrounding communities around the dig as well. But I think it's just like really important that we establish. Connections in the communities before we move into doing programming yeah. there. We kind of, um, it's really good because my dad does work with youth, so he like has a lot of connections. Um, he does land-based education, so he knows a lot of people in a lot of communities, and that's actually really great for us because yeah. people are also looking for more programming. So he tends to put us in contact with people. Um, but another thing we kind of well. Another form, I guess, of our expansion would be um, I applied to do basically work on this project, as, but as a PhD project. So we're hoping that when this project is grounded in like, published research, we'll be actually eligible for a lot more granting opportunity, yeah, some larger grants.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I um, <clears throat> Sorry. Could you guys maybe talk about, I know... Um, there's not of a, a lot of Indigenous, indigenous youth that are um, getting involved with like STEM. Do you guys have like <laughs> background information on that that you could share a little bit? I know. Um, so I'm Indigenous myself and my brother um, is an environmental scientist and he's uh, spoken to like high school students about um, pursuing that in university. And like the numbers are so low. Um, could you guys maybe like talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so um coming up with this program, there were kind of two main I guess I don't know what I would call them, but like goals that Canada set. So like Canada set these twenty twenty goal for biodiversity and conservation. And one of the targets was to incorporate indigenous people and world views into conservation policy. But what we argued was that while they're making this a the goal, they're not really doing anything to attain this goal because they're not making Science programming accessible to Indigenous youth. So if Indigenous youth don't feel like their viewpoint has a place in environmental science, why would they get involved in making policies about conservation? And so that was definitely something we wanted to tackle by kind of saying, like, you know, like your opinion does matter. Like you have valuable thoughts on this topic. And also I feel like in Saskatchewan, a lot of people aren't really aware of the kind of conservation issues that are happening in the province. And so, just kind of showing you, it's like, yeah, there are issues, but there are also people working towards it. Because I think with conservation and with anything in environmental sciences, it can get really negative really quickly, and that's not really conducive to learning and participation. So it was nice to focus on like positive things that actually are oh, yeah. being done. Maybe you could also talk about the Cpas, like that kind yeah. About. So I mentioned earlier how like the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, we had some members come. But they also did a really great talk about the Buffalo Treaty that is happening um, in Alberta and Saskatchewan. And I don't know, like, too many details about it. But basically, it's just a lot of groups of people are coming together and signing this treaty, saying that they're going to protect buffalo populations, like, wild buffalo populations that have been reintroduced back into Saskatchewan. And the kids were so interested to learn, like, all the facts about buffaloes, like, yeah, and there's They talked about how people have actually, um, in communities, have taken on roles as, uh, like, land stewards um, and, like, a lot of young people. So they were actually really interested in that, too. Yeah, and one great thing moving forward is we're hoping to partner with them some more, and they have programming for older youth that perhaps some of our youth could kind of move on to, which is actual, like, training program where they get certificates so that they're able to be official land stewards that are paid by the government
0: protect land in our area that's awesome i feel like um a lot of well a lot of students that i've worked with um i work with a lot of indigenous students and they just don't see themselves as like in math or in science you know so it's it's tough for them um but it sounds like you Mm -hmm. guys are really like trying to create a space um where young people can get involved um and start conversations and you know try it out themselves so it's that's awesome Thank you. Um. So, um, I was gonna ask, what's next for the both of you? What's, um, maybe not in terms of this project, but uh, or in terms of this project, uh, where do you where are you going next with this?
1: Um, <laughs> well, right now, it's hard to say. I'm kind of still trying to figure out what my interests are and what I want to do in the future. But I'm working on my. PhD right now, so that's kind of taking up most of my time, and then also trying to find time for the things that I'm interested in, like continuing this project. But it's kind of hard to say for me right now if I'm going to try and stay in research or take a more educational path. I would like to see like this project grow and be larger and become like kind of the main thing that I do. I guess yeah, a full time gig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, For me, I um, I'm just finishing. Up, well, in the process of writing my MA thesis, um, and so I've actually, like I mentioned before, I applied um, with this project in mind um, to continue with a PhD. Um, so that's kind of next in the books. But ideally, like I, my I really I love art because it's, I think it's like a great entry point for conversation and um, different approaches. To looking at things so um, I would really I'm really interested in that educational aspect of it I think too so yeah I'm really hoping we can expand this project in the future. <laughs>
0: yeah. So could you like touch on why you think other organizations um, haven't provided the type of funding or the resources that uh, the Rising Youth Grants and that Taking It Global has offered to you? Yeah. yes
1: <laughs> so we actually struggled what well, we've been struggling enormously with like funding opportunities because a lot of it's, it's kind of weird like a lot of the money we got was from you guys and the Saskatchewan Arts Board but um who, who like support these grassroots initiatives but one of the barriers the biggest barrier well there's two I think is um for opportunities that we would like to seek for more money that would be more efficient for us, would like, their requirements are, like, they're not not actually supportive of grassroots initiatives. They're very exclusionary, especially towards movements in Indigenous communities because, like, for example, one of the great things about Rising Youth was that there weren't that many requirements, like, hard requirements, per se, whereas a lot of other grants have, like, specific numbers of people that need to be involved and stuff like that, but Realistically, in a rural community, like we're not going to have like 60 students, and yeah, even just having 15 students at a programming can make a huge impact on a community. And it doesn't seem like other granting organizations understand that. Another thing, too, that we came up with was that like just the nonprofit registration, like we had to be a registered nonprofit for like at least three or four years with like the yeah. and so experience with this much reading, yeah. and so like one thing we actually ended up doing was we sought local sponsorship sponsorship from people. But that always didn't work out too. I am like very, very disappointed, I will say with SAS Health, And yeah. I've expressed my extreme disappointment with them because we applied for sponsorships with them. And basically they, like, they denied a monetary request, which is fine. Like if you don't want to give us money, that's okay. But what they did was they uh, wanted to send us like, I guess, like, logoed, branded branded material items. that, like, showed that they didn't read what we were doing at all because, like, for example, one of the items they wanted to send us was, like, these stupid things you stick on the back of your cell phone. Like, yeah, I do those even know what are. stand cell phones up. Yeah, but the youth we're working with, like, none of them have cell phones. <laughs> like, they're yeah. not the age to have cell phones. It was but. honestly just kind of insulting So it was, like, they didn't want to support us, but they wanted to be able to say that they supported us by listing us on their website. Yeah. And saying like we donated items, but it was like those items are useless to us. Yeah, and also I directly emailed and called a lot, like Mm -hmm. to ask, uh, like you know what what we could have done to like actually get monetary funding. And basically, they told us that because our programming wasn't going to reach like that many people, that they weren't going to like send us money, so it like wasn't basically valuable for them. But I sent a long email explaining that on their website, they directly say they want to support initiatives for indigenous youth. And I explained to them about, that by doing this, like they're not supporting initiatives for indigenous youth at all because 15, 15 kids for a population, a rural community that doesn't maybe has like five 500 people that live on reserve, like that's a good amount for yeah. that population. I don't know. And when it comes to like just beginning something, like you have to start somewhere. And it feels like you have to already be established to apply for basically all these grants. And we yeah.
0: really didn't want
1: to have to charge kids to go to this. So yeah, that was a part of it. We wanted it to be super accessible. Yeah. Like with food and transportation and everything so that like kids basically wouldn't have um there wouldn't be any barriers for somebody who wanted to attend this. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like how do you start something like this if you don't have the experience? Like how do you get the experience to apply for these grants? if you can't even get grants to get experience in life. place. So it's very discouraging, I think, especially maybe for younger people who want to start stuff. Yeah. It, it's definitely like these organizations are trying to tell you that they want to support local initiatives, but the way in which they're doing it actually tells you the opposite, that they don't want to support you at all.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of barriers, it sounds like. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, it's really great that uh, Rising Youth <clears throat> was able to provide a grant for you without all of those barriers. Um, how did you guys hear about Rising Youth?
1: Um, actually, I heard through it about it through a university email. Um, yeah, here in Montreal, and it was a good thing. Like everybody was really helpful because I wasn't sure, like, if I should apply because I think they do it provincially. If I should apply through like Quebec or Saskatchewan. But everybody was, like, super helpful and also, like, kind of guided me towards which amount I should apply for, too, which was really useful. Um, And I just feel like they were totally more understanding of, like, how this is the first time that this is happening. So, like, we're starting somewhere. It's It's not going to be... Obviously, the best version of what we did. Like we did the best we
0: could. I mean, it was pretty. It, it was really good.
1: good. Yeah, it was quite successful. But like they good. didn't have these like overly high expectations that were like actually just exclusionary. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like one of the great things about Rising Youth is that it's accessible, um, super easy to apply. Uh, so that's great that you guys were able to um, receive a grant through Rising Youth. Is there anything else that yeah. you guys want to want to touch on? um well we can also talk about so now applying
1: for a second year of funding I feel like we're kind of experiencing a funding gap because yeah there's either it's hard we can't reapply for the grants that we've already applied for like lots of them are a one-time only thing but then there's not many that are for just the second year they want you to have like at least three years going yeah four years and so it's kind of difficult because we don't want to stop as soon as we don't see like a consecutive year, we're kind of falling behind. Um, but it's hard to know where to look for money for this kind of thing. Yeah. Like we were very surprised. Um, we actually just got like a really good amount of funding that we didn't think we were going to get. So like, that was just like we're very lucky for that. Yeah. We've been really supported by the Saskatchewan arts board, which is great. Um, And they've been, like, just, like, rising youth, like, super helpful. Um, Even when I started, like, the application, they were, like, we like this project. Like, if you have any questions, let us know. Like, here's this person. You can contact them. But, yeah, I think one thing I would just, like, people to know, or maybe not people in general, but, like, businesses and granting um, agencies is that, like, I feel like they need to talk to the people who are applying. So they want to apply for these opportunities and see, like, what make it more accessible basically for everybody yeah i kind of talk to the people applying and let them guide how the application process is like yeah i don't think that the application process is really effective right now in evaluating what people are actually going to do and the impact it will have
0: okay um so if you guys want to plug your social media where can we contact you or find out what you're up to well,
1: <laughs> um, we're kind of in the process for creating a uh, social media for the camp specifically, um, but for that we do have our email address. Sure. And but like our personal social media, well, if you want to. Yeah, I guess I could say my Twitter is. Yes. uh Janae a fox one. So if I spell it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, at J A N A Y a f o x one is my twitter account um it's mostly science things so and hopefully we'll have a twitter account for our project yes
0: but we can send you all that information yeah Okay, um, so I just want to thank the both of you uh, for allowing me to have this conversation with you, and I'm, I'm really glad that we made this connection. Uh, when you do come back to Saskatchewan and continue this program, definitely reach out because I would love to take part in this if you guys would allow me. Um, as a teacher, I just think what you guys are doing is really great, so yeah, thanks. That would be that would amazing. Be awesome. We would love to have you. <laughs> Of this awesome, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Yeah, of course, it was nice to hear from you guys.